So I'm at my parents' house. It's March now of 2021. I'm just visiting for the week from LA and my dad has been very excited for me to visit them because he bought a Tesla 3 recently. Upon my urging, I had made a bet with him years ago that if he lost this bet, I don't even remember the details, but that if he lost, he would have to get an electric car. And I was thinking about the Tesla. The Model 3 had not come out yet, but I knew that it would become affordable to him. And he is kind of into the whole smug environmentalist thing. Um, I think that's a big selling point to his cadre of consumers. And that's fine. That's great to go electric. Um, I hope next that he can get solar panels on the house and start getting off of the coal kind of grid. Um, I would love to do the same. So he has this car and my dad is a baby boomer and a bit of a technophobe and it's hard for him to stay up on gadgets. Computer screens confuse him. He doesn't understand icons or swipe gestures and I've switched him over to Apple um, following the suit of my mom, who's been switching over for the last few years. I just figure if I'm going to be the IT guy of the family, I want my parents to be on my platform. So I think it's generally going well. The Tesla is this pretty incredible machine of a car um, in terms of its performance. It's really fun to zip down highways. Um, a little too fun for somebody like me. Uh, so I'm like learning the car. My dad wants me to explain to him all the features that he has yet to discover. And this kind of interesting thing happened today that I want to share. And it's a little spooky. It's a little, I don't know, uh, kind of existing in this realm of ghosts and magic and that kind of stuff. The, the not quite surreal, but, um, extra, extraordinary not even it's kind of an x-files thing but it's probably just very mundane at the same time so how do i say this gently um i'm conscious of my dad's feelings here because i know he's a sensitive guy and i'm sensitive too but i can err toward the side of my brother and mom who are much less sensitive more callous and cold in their calculations of uh, personal interactions. Um, I got here last night very late after a very long day and a long drive. And it was just, uh, I, was, I don't know, I just wasn't interested in these kind of like pleasantries that my dad's side of the family tends to enjoy. And I just felt comfortable and wanting to relax. And uh, he did talk about again about the Tesla and how he wants me to to drive it for the week I'm here and to get to know it so that I can help him understand it. And so the Tesla, like you can open the Tesla from your phone, your smartphone or iPhone. Once you set it up, uh, it also comes with like this credit card sized card, like a hotel key. And you can use that to like open the door and start the engine too. not the engine exactly since there is no engine. And it was weird because this morning my dad didn't make any, gestures toward this. Um, he didn't talk about the plan. I asked him what time he wanted to be driven into work. 
uh, going to his office, etc. But nothing was really like coming of it. And then my mom said, oh, there's this extra key. Keith, why don't you take the key? Uh, and I kind of looked at my dad like, well, am I taking this key? Like, why aren't you offering this to me? I thought this was the whole plan to get me set up. And then he was like, yeah, let's go and, and check the car. And I was sitting in the passenger side trying to like understand the dashboard with him. I mean, I had test drove this with him months ago in preparation for him getting it, but this was the first time I was in his car. And he kind of just made sure that it was his car. Um, you know, like just little things sitting in the front seat holding on to that car key and then handing it to me reluctantly, me even me being a little bratty and kind of like saying, aren't I taking this now? And I like logged into the Bluetooth music thing. Like, um, you know how you can like sync your phone to Bluetooth through Bluetooth to, uh, the music console of any car, basically any modern car that is not mine from the nineties. But yeah. Um, once I did that, like he asked, he like, took back the key and that was a little insulting because I thought like aren't you lending me this car aren't I like what do you want here like you want me to teach you this stuff but you want me want to take back the key and it was his misunderstanding that he thought I had already like set my phone up to unlock and drive the car without the key but all I had done is like sync my phone to the bluetooth and this caused a bit of a some friction because I was just feeling like trying to help him, um, and he was asking me so I like make to like understand the well a few different things like um, it doesn't really matter the premium features and whether that they're worth it and the autopilot navigation stuff and how to set that up and all these things and like he was asking me like an overlapping question so I wasn't able to keep my train of thought um, and. It got just frustrating that whatever. And then I just like walked out. First he walked out, then I walked out. And then like we were talking, like, what's the deal here? Like, what's the possessiveness with the key? What's the hesitation here? And he said, look, Keith, you're quite absent-minded, forgetful. You lose things. You have to admit that. And I say, yeah, I do do that for sure. I've lost things for sure. I misplace keys and things all the time, which is why I've converted my house into like a smart home, a keyless smart home where I can just use my fingerprint or a code. Like I don't like carrying around keys for sure. And I'm very uh, anxious always about where my keys are and losing them and getting locked out of my Berlin flat where there is no way to get in without that key. Whereas in a house, maybe you can like finagle your way in through a window or something. Um, all this to say, he basically didn't trust me holding onto this card. And that was a little offensive, but fine. Like, it's fair enough because I am compelled or want to misplace things. But it's so funny because, like, it's not like I've actually lost my driver's license or any credit card in any recent memory like I've held on to these things I've I have lost my phone once it was back in New York probably in like 2012 or, or something like that like when I had the iPhone 4 or iPhone 3 whatever 3G back then I think I did leave my phone in a taxi cab one drunken night but otherwise like I'm pretty good about keeping it safe and having it with me along with my cards, which I keep with the phone. 
But here's the funny thing. Like, so he mentioned this to me. And then we got back in the car. This time I was in the driver's seat. I had to use the key after tell, like, explaining to him and discovering that he has to like uh, grant me access as a driver through his account and all this, yada, yada. And then I get in and then like I'm getting out and I'm walking back into the house from the garage. And lo and behold, the key, this card for the Tesla had indeed fallen out of my phone wallet onto the ground. And, you know, they found it, picked it up, and my dad was just going to hand it to me. My mom made sure to, like, point out that this had happened, and it kind of justified my dad's fear or distrust. And there's a scientific explanation. Like, I had just removed my credit card from my phone because my credit card, this Sapphire reserve card is metal and it blocks the charging of the phone when you use a wireless charger. And I wanted to be setting this on the wireless charger in my parents' house. And yeah, I mean, I had just taken that out. So my phone wall was looser because it was just my driver's license. And then I put that Tesla key in there and it was too loose because it's not as thick as my credit card. And sometimes I put up to three or even four cards in here. So when it was just one plus the Tesla one, which is thinner, it fell out. And this just felt significant. Now, let's talk about magic and all this stuff for a second. I am not disposed toward magical thinking per se. I don't buy into astrology, though it can be fun, or tarot, uh, fortune telling. All this kind of stuff is like fun and games to me, but it's not real in the sense of like, you know, reality, uh, cause and effect and all this. But I do love movies like Lynchian films or like puzzles where magical inexplicable things happen premises like being John Malkovich where it's like a very far-fetched idea I like this idea of playing with reality and I think that especially for creative people we have to leave room in reality for some of this kind of magical thinking and it can go too far with religion and ideology or like superstition you know I think this is a little dangerous. And then, of course, you, we could go toward, like, science and vaccinations and all that kind of stuff, but I'm not going to go there right now. What I just want to say is that ideas are real. And there's a power of suggestion. And there is this way in which energy flows in the universe. And when you put energy out there, it does kind of affect things and it can be subtle and maybe it doesn't always happen but again this can go into this magical way of thinking like believe in yourself and like all this or like manifests your possibilities into the world or uh you know the secret like there's all these things of like just kind of like changing your mindset energetically somehow and watching the world change around you a lot of gurus talk like that and I get it. Like, I get that. 
I like that stuff actually, but I, I think it's a bunch of hogwash on a certain level. But at the same time, like the world is mysterious and things do kind of shift and turn. And there is this interplay of behavior. You know, this is a really silly little um, example, but I have to put it out there because it comes to mind and it's a pretty niche uh, anecdote. So I apologize. There's this baseball team, the LA Dodgers. They're the world champions right now. And they're my family's favorite team that I grew up with. And they're easily the best team in baseball. They have been for several years, and they finally won. But in this World Series championship last autumn, there was this one game that they lost where everything just kind of went awry. Things just totally fell apart. Now, this team is excellent. Like The players on it are the best in the game. They don't make errors. They're very smart running on the base paths. They're pitching you know, rotation and all this, like they're they're like on paper, great. And they won. So it's all, it's fine. But like there was this game that I happened to watch where things just absolutely fell apart. Their main closing pitcher melted down, gave up some runs. And then the next inning, like the fielders, they just fumbled things around. And it was like, it was atrocious baseball coming from the best team. It was like a curse, you know? And I don't want to say that like I believe in curses or that I disbelieve in curses. I don't think it's like that. I just think that when the energy shifts, things can collapse. And part of what makes things great, people great, people achieving whatever, is the energy that they're manifesting and propagating. And as soon as something throws off that energy, whether it be like Tiger Woods getting caught in in an affair and therefore his kind of golf game crumbling or whatever, you know, like a musician like who's like, you know, doing excellent on the guitar and then just something changes and then suddenly like he can't hit the right notes. Like we all have seen that happen. You know, you're in your flow, even on a date, things are going so smoothly. You guys are courting each other. There's a seduction and then there's something just shifts And it's all thrown off, you know? And I think that that's just a thing. And today when my dad somehow in his mind switched from, this is my son who I love and I want him to understand this car because he's capable of it and I want him to explain it to me because I want to understand my car. And then this other thing crept in of like, well, Keith is very forgetful. I don't know if I should trust him. I really prize this automobile. I want to make sure it's okay. Maybe he shouldn't be entrusted with it. As soon as that kind of doubt crept in, it poisoned the vibe. This vibration shifted from me dutifully and proudly uh taking the wheel of my dad's nice car that I've recommended to him and also would love to have uh, in another life and, you know, able to understand it, get a grasp on the technology that I'm always encouraging him to understand and then trying to relay it to him as a teacher, which I pride myself in to some extent. And all this shifted to Keith is irresponsible, this might be too much, Is there any hope to learn this? Um, Keith is probably going to be too reckless. And once that idea was out there, I think it kind of manifested itself. First in like our fighting and having to like do a quick family therapy uh, 
as a break to like get past that. And then into me dropping this card on the ground. Now, it's not a big deal. It was in our garage and they found it right away. But like, of course, that could have been at the grocery store that I drove to later in the day. That could have been something disastrous where it falls out and somebody else takes it and steals the car or something, right? I mean, of course, it could happen. And my mom is very quick to point that out. Like, you never know if this could happen. It's like, yeah, sure. I mean, (laughs) anything can happen, you know? Like, life is rather fragile and precarious like who the hell knows what will happen in the next moment or two we only take solace in the fact that the sun sets every day and that from any given moment in time to the next things stay relatively static and safe but suddenly you know a golf ball can fly through your window you know a gunshot or a fire can start like whatever obviously things happen But it's a little oppressive to live like that. And again, this ties to the pandemic and the lockdown bullshit. It's like, of course, we can feed into that side of our human experience and just fear the worst and just harp on the fact that it is technically a pandemic as defined by the dictionary and that a certain amount of people have died compared to all the other deaths that we can analyze. I don't know how war is equivalent at all, but somehow that's brought up, you know, and like all this kind of wordage to fear, like instill fear in us. And I just see this kind of paranoia creeping in all over the place from my parents Also, friends and acquaintances, it's just like, yeah, of course you can distrust this circumstance. Of course you can play it safe and cancel this social plan. Of course you can back out because it's easier to just stay home in your bed. I mean, yeah, that's true. But what kind of life is that? And the thing is that once you start thinking that way, it happens. It happens, you know? I mean... If you think you're going to get COVID by going outside, okay, maybe you will. Maybe you should stay inside. Like, that's the mindset you've put yourself in. If you think that your partner is going to be adulterous and cheat on you and have an affair, that will manifest itself in some oblique way with your mannerisms changing just slightly, being more on guard, the love flowing between you less freely, and suddenly perhaps your partner's love seeking refuge elsewhere. Like these kind of things happen through no direct faults of our own, but we put it out there. And we have to be very careful what we put out there, you know? I mean, I think about this with my mom, especially these days, as she ages. Like, (sighs) my mom can fit a lot into her brain, but as a high-functioning person, as like a, a, a lawyer and a business person, she is very sticky with her thoughts. Once she has a thought, she will like think around it as much as she can until it's kind of solved or something. So I have to be very careful what I tell her because if I mention something like my fridge might be a little too big, 
she might run with that and just think constantly like, oh, I saw this refrigerator at Costco. I think it might be more your size. Uh, have you tried selling your fridge? Oh, I know somebody that might want a fridge, but they live in a totally different city. Or, you know, like suddenly it'll just like pop up in her life constantly. And I don't want my refrigerator taking up space in my mom's brain. But it can because I've put it out there. I've verbalized it. She's sensed that it means something to me. And now it's like it's stuck in there and it'll just pop around and bounce around until something is resolved. And it can get very maddening and annoying, you know, when you're not even thinking about something that much and your mom is like going on about it, you know, <laughs> in mostly unhelpful ways. No offense, mom. But it can be like that, right? And it's just interesting how ideas come to life. Ideas are real things. They're nouns. Wisdom is a noun. Love is a noun. Now, it's funny because you can't touch them, but they are things. And I just find it fascinating and scary and dangerous and worth noting because in our world, it's really consequential which kind of ideas we put out there. If we are putting out the ideas of like not caring, then we're not going to get care back. If we're putting out ideas of, I don't know, uh, depression, we might drive ourselves further into sadness. If we're putting out ideas of sunshine, that might bring more smiles and joy, right? Like it, it works. And I don't want to explain or go into exactly how. I think that kind of kills it. But it's evident. When it happens and when I see it in movies, I believe it because things happen. A lot of those are coincidences. This car key falling from my wallet is a bit of a coincidence, but it's so on the nose that you wouldn't believe it if I had just made it up, you know, and yet it happened. So I just think it's important to be aware of the things that we're thinking. And it's hard because we don't really control what we think, do we? They just appear in our minds like dreams. It's not in our control. We don't think them. The thoughts just occur and we witness them. We recognize them as thoughts. But obviously we don't believe everything we think. That would be horrific, right? We might go into some dangerous fantasy like a you know a mass shooter or like um, a crazy uh, workplace confrontation or a dangerous love affair and these are like the stuff of fiction and movies and novels and stuff because they are great escapes that we can all enjoy vicariously without actually doing damage to our own structured lives but these th thoughts appear. They appear as we read them and they appear in our minds as we just are going about our day. And it's important, I think, to meditate and be aware of thoughts like clouds drifting by, that these thoughts aren't harmful. They don't own you until you reap them. Once you 
possess them as your thoughts, once you claim them and identify with them, once you give them room to breathe and grow and live, that's when they can become dangerous. Once you start leaning on those thoughts, recognize them more and more and cultivating them and, you know, rather than letting them pass. And that's what meditation is, by the way. Meditation is to recognize thoughts as such and watch them drift by without harping on them. That's what meditation is, guys. Meditation is not having a totally absent mind because that's basically impossible. Meditation is not just closing your eyes and thinking. Meditation is becoming conscious that your consciousness is its own thing that you can step out from your head and see yourself kind of like in a third person video game or a dream. And it's important to practice that because you can let things go in your daily life. You can let go of anger because you can recognize it as just a state of being that doesn't own you. You can let go of obsessive compulsions, hopefully, that one is hard. I have some of that. In fact, today I took my medication and um, I take, you know, pills for ADHD. And it's good because, like, if I start my work, if I start writing or organizing, managing managing tasks, when once I've taken this pill, I can really focus on what I'm doing. And I don't get distracted and I don't, my brain doesn't go all over the place. I just stay on that thing. It's kind of like a control. It's kind of like bumper lanes in bowling. But the problem is like today, after I took it, I was ready to like focus on the car and understanding the Tesla for my dad. But once this personal drama came about, that's what I was focusing on. I couldn't shake this uh, dynamic I have with my parents and how uh, difficult it can be as we grow up and become adults and maintain this kind of fluid relationship with the people that raised us. It can be annoying and you can witness all the toxicity and unspoken little things and all the familial stuff that is still there. And you want to just kind of like, I don't know, I, I want to do something about it. I guess a lot of people don't. Um, it's probably more typical to just ignore it or run from it or put it out of mind or just never speak to your parents again. I mean, that happens, right? Um, but for me, like, I just like, I showered and I was just like in the shower ruining on this idea that there are these dynamics based on our reputations, based on our shared histories. And the older my parents get, the more I see these things becoming these narrative truths to themselves. You know, it's very scary because like, I'd, I hate to put this out there again on this very topic of manifesting into the world, but like dementia is like the scariest thing to me and to my loved ones. And I really care about my parents' mental health a lot. And I just, I get scared seeing how they develop these ticks, you know, like they're just getting more and more ingrained in their daily lifestyles and rituals that when something throws them off, like me visiting them, 
it just invites chaos. And in that chaos, I can see the depths of the human mind and how fragile it is as it ages and how important it is to really keep it sharp through exercise and through meditation. And I don't know exactly how to advocate that for my parents exactly, but it's, it's something that must be noted because it's, it's very easy to recognize the, the dark places that things can go. And that's true for all of us, but I just think it's especially true with age um, or lack of understanding, lack of education. So like with young people or with uneducated people, you can just see how people tick and how reason and rationality are very difficult and they take a lot of intention and strength. And I guess that's what I'm still very concerned with and what this podcast is mostly about is just very much being aware of the effort required to think clearly and to, to notice the different directions places can go, things can go. Like I'm thinking now about the movie Lola Rent, Run Lola Run, the German film from 2000 or so. You know, there's this moment where the lead character is Lola and her boyfriend is Manny and he has, he owes money to like bad guys. You know, he's like involved with um, illicit um, black market, essentially. And he has a gun and there's this moment where he meets a homeless person who has stolen his money and he chases him down and gets it back. And the homeless person asks for the gun. And I'm getting chills thinking about this scene. I saw this at a young age and I just, it left such an impression on me because you see this character, Manny. He has just chased down the thief of the bag of money, which is kind of like the thing in the movie, the MacGuffin, the thing that the movie revolves around. And so this is a thief. This is a person with nothing to lose a derelict, uh, unwashed, uh, unhinged kind of person, you know? And most of us uh, build distance in our lives from such people. And here's Manny, who, he's a good guy. He loves his girlfriend. He's doing his best, but, you know, he's mixed up in some things. And he has, like, you know, questionable moral character. He might not be above a robbery he might not be above a killing. We don't really know. And this homeless man asks for his gun because now Manny has taken back the money. And you can see Manny consider that and think, this guy does have nothing. Maybe he would benefit from having this gun. Maybe he needs it more than I do now that I have my money. This is a loaded gun. And Manny like holds it out, handle first, straight back, eyes locked. He tilts his head like, I'm doing this. Should I be doing this? I'm trusting you. Do the right thing. And he hands it to the homeless man. And he like gives him one final look before breaking eye contact. And then he walks off. And you wonder, like, what's the homeless guy going to do? And, of course, the homeless guy just stands there, kind of shocked, kind of like, wow, I have a gun now. And he, like, you know, it's like he, he's never held one before or something. And that's that. 
nothing happens. But you can sense the tension there. Like, is this guy now going to shoot Manny for the bag of money? Is this guy capable of doing that? Why or why not? Aren't we all somewhat capable? Maybe we aren't. And Manny put out trust into the world. He projected strength and sympathy and understanding toward this other man. And it worked. Now, maybe it would have worked in any case. Maybe this homeless guy is just a total pushover. Maybe he's ended up where he is because he has no ability to manifest into the reality that he imagines. You know, maybe he is a spineless coward. Maybe he has no strength to stand up for himself in any way, and that's why he is how he is. Who knows, right? So maybe even if um, Mr. Burns, the billionaire from The Simpsons, who is like notoriously weak and despicable, walked up to this guy, that he still wouldn't be able to pull the trigger. And we have heroes like this, right? People that are in a position to pull the trigger as it were, and they don't because they just can't do it. You know, they just can't kill a man or whatever it is. You know, it doesn't even have to be a gun. It can be, you know, ratting out somebody, saying the wrong thing, whatever it is. And you have people like, as if this defines them as good people. And I don't know, that could be, but I just think it's best to be someone like Manny, somebody that is capable of strength, even negative or bad, quote, bad strength, like um, violence, and doesn't do it, you know, that we should be in touch in a way with our strength through martial arts, which kids learn very often. I learned that. I learned karate as a kid, and I think it was healthy for me. You know, I think it made me a stronger person. And to know how to throw a punch, to know how to stand up, to shady figures in life, to know how to be protective, to be uh, an act, uh, um, a person of a guardian, you know, a protector, to have that protection energy within you. Because it's not attractive to be so weak that you can never hurt a fly. That's not a. Attra- that's not strength. That's not virtue. It's not virtuous to be so weak that you can't hurt anything. It's virtuous to be so strong that you can do anything in the world that you choose and to choose to do good. That's virtue. And I want to be the kind of man who looks at my son or friend or stranger and thinks, of course you are capable of mistakes. You are capable of greed. You are capable of terrible things, but you're also capable of good. You're capable of responsibility and empowerment. And I am going to feed that and expect the best from you and let you rise to the task. And I think by putting that kind of energy out, it helps. It helps in some invisible way. 
I, I like to believe that. I guess that's what I choose to believe in is this kind of energy. And that said, it's hard. It's a hard thing to practice. I every day fail to live up to that. You know, I just listened to a, a voicemail from somebody in Europe I care about. And it occurred to me that I could just record one right back. But I didn't because I just wasn't quite bothered to. And it wasn't because of lack of care or something like that. It was more just like, <sighs> I don't know what. I don't know what to explain, how to explain that. But it ga I gave in to my baser, weak will of waiting, putting it off, of focusing on waiting for my food to be handed to me in a restaurant, you know, like I was doing, I was busy, you know, I was, and that's what we say, we were busy, we were distracted, we were, yeah, we were just too busy is our main excuse to, to each other. And I, it's, it's true. It's not technically true. Like, of course, I could hold the phone up to my mouth and just hit record for 10 seconds, and that would be valuable to this person. A little, it goes a long way. But I had so many other things on my mind, like this family drama, like this car, like being hungry. And those things make us feel busy. It's not a lot. It's not a lot. People scrutinize each other like, what do you even do all day? You're not even busy, you know? But we all have lots on our mind. And it just matters how we curate our mental energy. It matters a lot. It, it's meaningful when we make time for each other for a coffee, even if it's in a few days, because even if it's one hour, that means we're taking up this energy in each other's minds and that builds a relationship, you know? These ideas are real. They manifest sometimes very obliquely, but in some way, always. And I think it's important to be aware of that and to practice doing the best we can with it. It's easier said than done, of course. And again, I'm no saint. But I'm meditating as often as I can, trying to be aware of these thoughts passing and recognizing them and recognizing my, quote, failings so that I can at least grow wise through the understanding. I guess that's a good place to stop, guys. This has been Keith. Thinking about ideas in the world. Check me out online and elsewhere. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I'm on Twitter at Keith Thinking. I'm on Patreon at Key Thinking. I would love your support. I'm releasing paywalled content there doesn't take any more than a euro or a dollar to access that stuff and I'm really tired as I do this still I don't know why I've just been really pushing myself lately but this has been kind of a nothing day and I'm still exhausted maybe emotionally um, that's it until next time ciao